0: I have been asked to read from Hebrews, chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. It's headed God's final word, his son. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, who he whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his servants flame of fire. But about the sun, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. May we all have that oil of joy.
1: Oh, good morning. Nice to be back with you again. Um, I expect you know that uh, Eden and I attend a church in Bexhill called Beulah, Beulah Baptist Church. It's got something like 350 members, plus a lot of people that aren't members. It's got a big music group. When the kids go out after the first half an hour, they just stream out down the sides. Um, it's three services a day. It's all rather huge. But understand this. The Holy Spirit is in this church as much as it ever is in Beulah. I mean, you've got it all here. You've got the Holy Spirit and you've got um, a spirituality That's to be treasured. Um, So don't ever think you're just going to a country church in a a small village. You're going to God's church, and there's no doubt in my mind about that at all. I'd like to just refer to what John Ford brought this morning about sharing. It's terribly important that when you get a picture or a word or anything at all like that, uh, to bring bring it to the elders, bring it to the church. Um, when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit um, the gift I got was the gift of prophecy I didn't know it uh, I couldn't understand it I kept getting pictures and they were gorgeous pictures and I used to enjoy them and then one day I suddenly realized they weren't there for me they were there for other people so I began to talk them out and tell other people and quite amazing things began to happen there, there wouldn't be uh, churches uh, together in Rye, an area now, but for one of those pictures which I brought, and that started it all off, and it's rolled on for many, many years and still goes, and up to that time, there was a real lack of cohesion between the churches in Rye, but now they meet regularly for worship, and there's a great friendliness amongst them, and all that came from um, a simple picture, so... You know, do remember what John said and uh, do bring it to the church. Might not seem much to you and you might not think it's relevant, but it could well be and probably is. Uh, when I was here in April, I mentioned that Jesus was called both the Son of Man and the Son of God. And we looked at various aspects of Him uh, being the Son of Man. Uh, today, I'd like to look at Him as the Son of God. Um, I'll just read a piece from uh, John chapter 1 that's verse 29 the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said look the Lamb of God who took, takes away the sin of the world this is the one I meant when I said a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me I myself did not know him But the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who were baptized with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testify that this is the Son of God. So it was very uh, clearly spoken out there. Uh, although John was baptised with water, the point's made that only Jesus can baptise with the Holy Spirit and that he is the Son of God. In the case of Jesus, he was baptised with water, then immediately the Spirit came down from heaven as a dove and remained on him. Quite often with us, the two, uh, the two baptisms are separate. It doesn't happen in the way that it happened to Jesus. It certainly was in my case. Um, it was not until I was 51, after many years as a churchgoer, that I sought and received baptism in the Holy Spirit. This was through the laying on of hands in a porter cabin, at Ashburnham Place. It wasn't very grand. It was a chatty old porter cabin over there on the grains of Ashburnham. But great things happened in that cabin. The effect on my life was dramatic and lasting. Interestingly, one church which seems to have nothing to do with baptism in the Holy Spirit has changed in recent years. I'm talking of the Roman Catholic Church. Um, there's a school in Becks Hill, and this last week or two, they've been running a series um, with good speakers. And last uh, Thursday, they did a, a final session on baptism in the Holy Spirit, laying on of hands, people being prayed for, people receiving. Now, this is, this is something And Rome has got a special section, I think it's called the Gregorian section, which deals with baptism in the Holy Spirit and charisma. And if you go into Roman Catholic churches now, you're liable to see two notice boards. One says, well, says nothing, and the other says charismatic. So you can see the two notice boards and what's going on in the church and what's going on under the Holy Spirit so you know, I found that m- most uplifting. In John 3, Jesus told Nicodemus, the Pharisee, that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. This gave Nicodemus a lot to think about, as it was something he knew very little about. In Matthew's version of the transfiguration, uh, Jesus, Peter, James, and John went up a high mountain where Jesus was transfigured. Uh, this, opinions differ on which of these mountains it was, but it, it doesn't really matter. His clothes became dazzling white, and Elijah and Moses came before them. A cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. This is another confirmation that Jesus is the Son of God. Interestingly, when they came down from the mountain, they found the other disciples having trouble. A man had brought his demon-possessed son, but they'd been unable to drive it out. The, The evil spirit, that is. Jesus rebuked the spirit and drove it out privately the disciples asked jesus why they couldn't drive the spirit out his reply was this kind can come out only by prayer he was emphasizing the importance of prayer so although sometimes you don't think prayer is working uh, it is all heard by god and it does work Um, we've had a salutary example recently of prayer not working A couple in our church, a devout couple, had a son who was seriously ill with cancer and it lingered and lingered and lingered. And the church prayed. They just prayed their hearts out or prayed their socks off, as some people say. But he went down and down and down and eventually, a fortnight ago, he died. Now, the church was bereft, but that couple uh, have come through it shining. It's unbelievable how joyous they are! They know their son accepted Jesus. They know he's okay. They know where he is, and um, that was the the answer to that the prayer in that case. It's not always good in our eyes, but it's good in God's eyes, and that uh, that lad of theirs um, is right with God. So, prayer is answered, but not always in the way that we might uh, hope for. When Jesus was with the disciples at Caesarea Philippi, you may know that's up near Mount Hermon, he asked them, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Their reply was that some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But when Jesus pressed them for their opinion, Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God, to which Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Joseph, for this was revealed to you by man, not by man, but by Father in heaven, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven." Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone he was the Christ. So in that little few words there, we got Jesus referred to as the Son of Man and also as the Son of God. One of the most amazing affirmations that Jesus was the Son of God was given by the centurion at the crucifixion. Jesus, hanging on the cross, had given up his spirit And at that moment, the heavy curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, tombs broke open, and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life and appeared to many people in the city. When the centurion, who had been in charge of the crucifixion, witnessed this, he was terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Centurions are renowned for their courage. They were tough, experienced, and not given to being terrified. But all this was too much for even him. They also did a thorough job of crucifying people. A common form of execution in those days when those cities went sorry when those critics of the resurrection say Jesus didn't die on the cross. They underestimated the determination of Roman soldiers. When Pontius Pilate was told that Jesus had died, he was surprised that it had happened so soon and asked the centurion if it was true. And when the centurion confirmed it, Pilate had no hesitation in accepting that it was so and giving approval for Joseph of Arimathea to have the body. This this business of crucifixion was a daily affair throughout the Middle East. Um, The Romans were used to it. They never failed because if they did, they would die themselves. So there was um, a real reason for them making a good job of it. And there can be no question that um, Jesus was crucified and killed. In the well-known words in John 3, Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but man loved darkness instead of light because his deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what, it has, what he has done has been done through God. Over the other two talks, or see, uh, this talk and the previous one, We've looked at cases where Jesus was called the Son of Man and others where he was called the Son of God. In fact, he is both. God in human form. The God child born to a human woman, the Virgin Mary. And how does Jesus fit into the Godhead? I don't know how you think of the Trinity. It it gives people problems. I had a a friend. um, He was a milkman. And he, because a rather attractive lady went to the Methodist church, he went along too. I mean, he didn't mince his words. That's what drew him to the Methodist church. Um, when he got there, he too became very spiritual, and he decided he wanted to be a minister. Now, he went before the board, and these rather grizzled old Methodist ministers interviewed him. And um, they said to him, John, what do you understand by the Trinity? And he, bright young man, said, Oh, I can tell you precisely what I know about the Trinity. I understand that. Wow, gentlemen. Well, they all leaned forward and said, Oh, good. Would you mind telling us all about it then? Now, uh, that brash young man um, thought he knew all about the Trinity, but, of course, he didn't really. And these elderly gentlemen kind of put him right gently that, even they struggled. But we've all got ways of understanding the Trinity and where Jesus fits in. My way is by circles. Um, a circle which is um, God the Father. Another one, that's God the Son. And a third one, that's God the Holy Spirit. And a circle right round it with G-O-D in the middle of the three circles, God. So that's God, the three in one um, some people remember it by an apple, where they consider the skin, the fruit itself, and the core. And that's their way of understanding that entity, which we know as the, uh, as the Trinity. So we worship a triune God. Uh, Jesus is a central part of it. It's, uh, he is the Son of God, without any doubt. Um, now, you've had quite a long service, and I don't think I ought to go on any longer, um, thank you for your attention. Let's finish with a word of prayer. Oh dear Lord, we thank you for all this church. I thank you for the spirituality which I sense every time I come here, Lord. And we just um, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he was a son of God and a son of man, that he came to earth, was sacrificed for us, And that he's available to us through the Holy Spirit, who when he left, he allowed to remain, Lord. Just thank you for what's on offer and help us to take full advantage of all that there is. We just thank, worship and praise you this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen.